Well, it's good to see all of you and those of you online. Thanks for joining us. As uh, Carrie and Jonathan just said, we're starting a new series called Don't Just Wait It Out. And what we know is that, you know, we were 18 months since a pandemic started in our world. And it's possible that some of us have just been like waiting it out, like hoping that this will just go away without really acknowledging how this is shaping our lives and our souls. And so we wanted to take a few weeks and just sort of ask, what does it look like to not just wait it out, but to be intentional about what God is up to in our lives, in our world, in our church right now? And, and back in March of 2020, so right as the pandemic was starting, some thought leaders, uh, Andy Crouch and Dave Blanchard at a company called Praxis, they wrote a couple of articles where they were talking about what it would look like to lead in such a bizarre season and what it will mean to try to lead through this. And, and they said that they thought this pandemic was not like a blizzard. It was not like winter. It was like an ice age. And here's what they said. Uh, they said that, Just as winter is more chronic and long-lasting than a blizzard and requires different sorts of adaptation, which are in many ways more far-reaching than merely hunkering down for a few days or weeks, so there are even larger-scale events like an ice age that reshape the climate through countless successive seasons. Countless successive seasons of change. You can't just wait out an ice age. You can wait out a blizzard, You can wait out winter, oh, just wait till spring. You cannot wait out an ice age without dealing with what it's doing to your soul and to your life because otherwise, and look, this isn't just applicable to COVID. Like This is true about the hard things we go through in life, but it's also not just the hard things. A lot of us can actually just find ourselves waiting out life. Just waiting. I got life is mundane. It's boring. We're just waiting till something better comes along, whether it's work or family or school or whatever it is, right? So we can find ourselves just waiting it out and not being intentional. And when we wait it out, we allow forces in the world and our lives to shape us that we are not meaning to let shape us. And so what I want us to do is to actively ask what Jesus has for us rather than passively accepting the way things are that that we would deal with reality and that we would be honest about who we are and what's going on in our lives and what's possible in a life with Jesus. And so to do that, we're going to look at a text in John chapter 4. So if you have Bibles, would encourage you to turn to John chapter 4. It'll be on the screens. You can also look it up on your phones. Um, but if you've been in church Uh, For any length of time, you may have familiarity with this text. It's a text about Jesus and a woman at a well in a place called Samaria. And it's a really familiar text. And I I say that just to say it's it's a rich text. And there's a lot as we read it that you're going to think about. And I'm not going to have time to address all of it. And so just know, go back, read it to yourself later, ask good questions of it. Um, but as we read it today, we're going to stop a lot. I'm going to make some observations, but I'm trying, trying to get us to consider what does it look like for this woman in this conversation to be stuck in waiting it out, stuck in how things are. So we're in John chapter 4, starting in verse 4, and it says, Now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. Pause right there. We didn't make it very far. He had to go through Samaria. Had to. Had to. So 
In, uh, in that part of the world, Samaria was the most efficient way to go from Jerusalem to Galilee, where Jesus and his disciples were headed. The most efficient way, though many good Jews would not go through Samaria because there were decades of ethnic tension between them. They would take the long way around. So had to also implies that this was intentional, that this was God's plan for Jesus, that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Pick back up in verse 5. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. So this is an Old Testament reference. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now that time becomes important in just a minute. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, "'Will you give me a drink?' His disciples had gone into the town to buy food, and the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So let's stop right there. Okay, so many of us know that when you get on the internet or even you pick up a newspaper, there are headlines that are meant to get you to click and get you to stop and read. And often those headlines are including titles or events or words. They're like buzzwords. They catch our attention. Oh, I want to read that. It's about the Kardashians. It's about this latest political topic. It's about Tom Brady. It's about the royal family in London, right? They make us stop and read. And so I'm, I'm telling you this right here in the text. If you're listening as a first century Jewish person, this is a provocative headline. Jewish religious leader hangs out with a woman alone by the well. It is, a, it is a provocative, catchy title. It would have gotten people to go, wait, what is happening here? Because here's the thing, as the text tells us, Jews did not associate with Samaritans. They considered Samaritans to be ethnic half-breeds. And I know that sounds rough, but it's true. They did not associate with Samaritans because there was a history there and they didn't associate. And at the same time, men would have never been caught dead alone with a woman by themselves who wasn't their spouse. And so Jesus is in all kinds of trouble here. But here's the thing. There's a lot of inertia. Like there's a lot of momentum going against us when we try to do anything other than just wait it out. Like if we want to see change happen in our lives, there's always inertia kind of weighted against us. And even culturally, in their culture and in ours today, there's a lot of inertia that wants things to just stay the way they are. But Jesus steps into this woman's story. Pick back up. And she, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Stop right there. So she talks about the greatness of Father Jacob. And so uh, Samaritans with a Jewish history had, um, had a real like um, 
they, they sort of they place priority over the Old Testament patriarchs of the faith like Jacob. So Jacob was a big deal for a Samaritan woman like, like this woman. And, and so she couldn't have imagined anybody being greater than Jacob. And that's what I want you to see is happening in the text. That, that she can't imagine a life that's more powerful than her past. And when we're waiting it out, we have a hard time imagining a life that's different than what we've already known. We, can't, we have a hard time imagining a life that's different than the past. And Jesus is talking to her about spiritual things. We get that because we're reading it today. In the moment, she's really confused. She's thinking on an earthly level. Why? Because when you're waiting it out, you don't have an imagination for anything different than what you already know. So here she is, just waiting it out. Let's pick back up in our text, verse 13. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Pause there. So Jesus talks about living water, water that moves. And so in the ancient world, just like today, water that sits still for too long becomes unhealthy and diseased and unsafe to drink. The same thing in the ancient world. Healthy water was moving water. It wasn't water that just sat. It was water that bubbled up. So Jesus is talking to her about a life of health, a life of goodness and newness, a life that bubbles up because it's not just waiting it out. It's moving forward and asking what God has for her in that moment, not stuck in the past, not waiting it out, a life that looks towards what God can do, the possibilities of a life with Jesus. And so let's pick back up in our text. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Pause there. This is the moment. Jesus has been circling and circling, and circling, and this is the moment that he's waiting for. This is the moment that Jesus wanted her to acknowledge that she's thirsty for something different, and that she's exhausted by coming to the well at this time every day. And he's putting a finger on, he's getting her to put a finger on why it's hard and exhausting for her to keep coming back to the well. Verse 16, he told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you just said is quite true. Let's stop there. So this is the moment where it's become quite clear why she's at the well at noon. Because most people went to the well early in the morning. Most women went to the well early in the morning to avoid the heat of the day. She's there at noon because she's hiding from everyone. Now, uh, Johanna Cadenaccio, an Israeli scholar who was with us last week, he was teaching on this text and he said that in an average Samaritan village in their day, there would have been 200 people. She's been married to five of them. Let that sink in right? Word travels fast, gossip spreads, and she's living under the cloud of shame. Now, we could speculate. We don't know why she's had five husbands. Maybe some of them died. Um, we know that in the ancient world, a woman could not initiate divorce. We also know that women can initiate divorce in other ways, 
right? So we don't really know why she has been married five times. What we do know is that in Samaria, you were allowed to be married five times. And so now she's beyond the amount that she could actually be married and she's living in a vulnerable place. Like we don't know all the details, but the point is we know that she's hiding in shame and embarrassment over her past. I actually wanted to make a quick list of like, she's waiting it out. What does waiting it out look like for her? And see if any of these stick to you. Uh, Number one, she's holding on to the past. So she's stuck in unhelpful narratives about the patterns and practices and stories of, of the past, like the religious past and also her past. Number two, she's avoiding others. She's self-imposing exile and isolation out of embarrassment and shame. Number three, she's believing lies about herself and defining herself by her past and by her sin and by her pain. Number four, she's hanging on by a thread. So if a woman had gone through five marriages, couldn't be married again, she was in an incredibly vulnerable place and needed someone to provide for her. But most people would not want to take on a wife who was not a real wife. It's a really tricky ancient scenario, but she was in a vulnerable place, hanging on by a thread, waiting it out. The last thing is she had a string of failures in shame. And that the trauma of carrying the weight of your insufficiencies and failures, it adds up. She's just waiting it out. And I don't know about you. I don't know if you're just waiting it out and not dealing with reality. But I look at her situation and I ask, what was going to change? Did she think just going to the well every day and avoiding everybody, that that was going to lead to a life that would be better? Was it magically going to change someday? No, she was just waiting it out. She was captive to what she wasn't dealing with, maybe even wasn't able to deal with. She was captive to it. And I wonder, what is it for you? If you were at the well with Jesus, what is it with you? What would he ask you? What would you tell him? What would he unravel and put a finger on? Where are you just waiting it out? If I'm honest, I think there's probably a string of things that Jesus might say to me. Um, But one of them is, I think if Jesus said, hey, how are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm fine. And he, I think the thing that Jesus might bring up with me is not the number of times I've been married. The thing Jesus might say is, how do you feel about the attendance at CPC over the last year? I mean, been senior pastor for a year. Let's look at those attendance numbers, right? We are 70% of in-person attendance pre-COVID. It's true. Now, I could, I could rationalize it. Like, this is true for churches all over our city, all over our country. But it doesn't make me feel good, if I'm honest. And I would have a hard time admitting that to Jesus. I have a hard time admitting it to you right now. But here's the thing. Am I just trying to wait it out? Like, am I just believing that if we just keep trucking ahead and keep our heads down and keep doing worship and start programs back, that one day things will just be back to 2019? It's a terrible idea. We have something God's calling us to do now. We, you're with us. Those of you at home, you're with us. Let's focus on who God is calling us to be as a church. 
Let's not wait it out. Let's not miss the opportunity to ask, Jesus, what do you have for us? Because we're waiting it out captive to the past or captive to some other, some other person's idea of what the present should be. What would we miss if we're just waiting it out? I don't know for you if it's, if it's COVID, if it's work, if it's marriage, if it's parenting. If you find yourself stuck somewhere just hoping it'll change magically. When we just wait it out, what we're doing is we're letting our burdens and our limitations and our circumstances and our past and our failure define us and weigh on us in a way that they were never meant to. And Jesus presses in on this woman's story and he wants to press in on yours as well. He presses in and he gets a little too close to home and she tries to distract him. She tries to distract him. She asks him like a deep theological question and he kind of navigates around it and then he comes back and after he navigates around it, the woman says, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And so she's kind of trying to like, Okay, okay, guy, agree to disagree. But then this is what Jesus says. I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And this changes everything in the story. Because a woman who was avoiding everybody and standing at the well then runs off into the village to talk to everybody and to tell them about Jesus, right? Jesus changes everything. He steps into the story. He knows her. He listens to her. He cares for her. And that changes her life. The Messiah has come. The Christ has come. The one who they were waiting on to change everything. She meets him. And she realizes that because of who Jesus is, she is not defined by her past and her shame or defined by other people. And just like the presence of Jesus draws out the reality of who she is and what she needs. It's the same for us. When we're honest about who we really are, we can accept who Jesus really is. You don't have anything to hide from God. God already knows it. You don't have anything to hide from God. He already knows and he loves you anyways. There's nothing to hide. And when we realize who Jesus is and what's possible, whatever we're carrying and whatever we're trying to be and whoever we're trying to avoid, those things no longer have to define us. Because the presence of Christ was more powerful than our performance or others' expectations on our lives. The power of the one who rose from the dead, who conquered sin and death, is, is more powerful than any past performance or perception that we have. Don't just wait it out. Actively ask what Jesus has for you. Actively ask what Jesus has for you rather than passively accepting the way things are. What, what part of your life, what area, what relationship, what situation, what part of your life do you find yourself stuck in, just waiting it out, and you need to reimagine what's possible because of a life with Jesus? Where do you need to move beyond just waiting it out and believe that Christ has something for you right there? I'll give you a really simple illustration in closing. Um, I, I like to consider myself a reader, and I love to read. I love to read fiction and nonfiction and theology books and, and all kinds of stuff, right? But 
Um, I think about myself as somebody who like sits down and reads for hours and just goes through a book. But that's not true. I sit down with a book and two minutes later, I'm on my phone texting somebody. I sit down with a book and all of a sudden I find myself scrolling social media. I sit down with a book and then an hour later, I'm watching YouTube videos for an hour, right? I, I am no longer a person that can sit and read a book. So I have this perception of who I am. It doesn't match reality. I want to be a person who can sit and read a theology book for an hour, Realistically, I'm a person that watches cat videos on Instagram, right? (laughs) That's what happens. Um, I will not become a person who reads a lot of books without any distractions um, by accident, right? I will not, by just waiting it out, by like, well, you know, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and someday it'll just magically click and I'll forget my phone and I'll just be a, be a good reader again. No, uh, I had a friend who said he was given a gift. It was like an hourglass. You tipped it over. It, it was some research had been done that the, the priority of focusing was for 22 minutes at a time. And so it was a 22-minute hourglass. You flipped it, you did whatever you were doing, and then you moved on. So I've started setting a timer. Hey, Alexa, set a timer for 22 minutes and I'll read until it goes off. Because I needed a habit, I needed a practice to help remind me of what I was supposed to be doing, of, of, to sit up, to pay attention, to be aware of what was important in that moment, rather than just waiting it out and hoping it got better. Right? We need to be reminded over and over, we need practices in our lives that remind us of who we are and of what's possible of a life with Jesus. We cannot just passively wait it out, go through the things of life, again, whether it's COVID or anything else you're going through, if we just wait it out and we're not actively asking what Jesus has for us, we will miss an opportunity to grow in our faith. Actively ask what Jesus has for you rather than passively accepting the way things are. And I think what we'll find is as a church and as Christ followers in the world, we'll find ourselves uh, living more boldly, more boldly and more confidently that Christ matters in our everyday lives. Because we're not just skating through life and occasionally checking in on our faith, but we're letting what Jesus has for us in the everyday moments drive what we're doing and who we're becoming. Seek Jesus. Let's seek him together. Let's let his desires for our lives be the thing that drives us, not whatever we're experiencing. Let's follow Jesus together. Amen.